Yes, we are talking about law and gospel on this April the what? April the 5th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And so for this coming Sunday, as we take a look at law and gospel, we are in the second Sunday after Pentecost, June the 11th, 2023. Wow, we really went through some wonderful festival days. It began, of course, with Holy Week, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, after Palm Sunday, then into Easter, then we had the Ascension, then we had Pentecost, and yesterday we had Trinity Sunday. Wonderful occasions, high-level functions of the church year. But now we are into the season of Pentecost. Though festivals are still with us, because you really can't talk about the Bible without talking about Jesus, death, resurrection, and ascension. But here's my question for you. We have readings from Hosea chapter 5, Romans chapter 4, and Matthew chapter 9. If I were to ask you the question, when did we first find out that Jesus would be dead in the grave and then rise on the third day? It, it appeared that most of us would say Jesus himself said that. Yes, he did. He said that to the disciples. And remember the reaction of Peter? No, Lord, we will protect you. He did not want Jesus killed in Jerusalem. And the Lord said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Because Peter was getting in the way of the mission which Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins and to be raised for our resurrection and justification. Now, when and how did Jesus learn that he would be dead for in the grave and then rise three days later? Is that something the Father told him? Well, we, we need to remember that much of what Jesus learned was from the Old Testament. And so... We know from the Old Testament, Psalm 22, that he knew about his crucifixion. David said he would be pierced in hands and feet. And that was the matter of execution, the manner of execution for the Romans, pierced in hands and feet. However, did Jesus know this from another reading of the Old Testament, that it would be for three days. Well, Hosea 5 is really interesting. Israel desires to return to the Lord because 
He has sent them into Babylonian captivity. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. Now listen to chapter six, verse two. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Well, there, right there, you have a promise in the Old Testament book of Hosea, chapter five, oh, sorry, chapter six, verse two, that on the third day, he will raise us up. Now, wait a minute. I thought on the third day, he was raised up. Well, which is it? Was he raised up from the dead? Or were we raised up from the dead? And there again, we go to scripture, interpret scriptures. The best passage to understand what is being said by Hosea is chapter six of Romans. It says, in regard to your baptism, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. In, in other words, we were with him on the cross. Then verse four, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. So there you have both the crucifixion of Jesus that involved us and his burial that we participated in through baptism. But verse four goes on. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, baptism connects us with the work of Jesus Christ. His crucifixion paid the penalty for our sin and we were on the cross with him. And his saving work is now applied to us in our baptism. Romans six, really, really important. So Jesus did not need to have a special message from God the Father to tell him that he would die on the cross. That was Psalm 22. To tell him that he would be whipped. That was Isaiah, which also says that the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. What does that mean? It means that Jesus became sin for us. And he became that sin when he was baptized by John the baptizer in the River Jordan. That was a baptism of repentance. Jesus did not need to repent. He had no sin. But he took upon himself 
the punishment for our sin and died for our sin. He was buried for our sin and he was raised from the dead for our justification. That is saving faith. In fact, Hosea goes on at the end of our reading. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God, rather than burnt offerings. Now, what is God talking about? Because it is obvious that he required burnt offerings in the Old Testament. But you see, the offerings were often done to give glory to God for what was happening to the people. And those offerings were not ways in which we saved ourselves. They were instead a act of worship offering a lamb or a goat to look forward to the Lamb of God that would come to take away the sins of the world. And, and so many of the Israelites prior to the time of the Babylonian captivity when God permitted the Babylons to come and take them into prison to remove them from Jerusalem and to destroy the temple. Many of them went through worship procedures, but they did not have proper knowledge of God. In, in fact, they would devise statues made of metal or wood, kiss them, bow down before them, and some even sacrificed their children to these statues. That was not proper knowledge of God. And that's what Jesus picks up in our gospel from Matthew chapter 9. After calling Matthew a Jew in order to be his disciples, he would then sit down with Matthew and other tax folks and eat with them. And the Pharisees said to Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But here's what Jesus replied. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. And now Jesus quotes Hosea 5. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And then he gives the purpose of his coming. For I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. If you are a sinner then Jesus has come for you. And as we acknowledge our sin, as we recognize we are lost, we are so happy to have Jesus find us 
put it on his put us on his shoulders and carry us home that's the parable of the lost sheep of course that's what jesus has done for you so he has come not to speak to those who don't think they need a physician you see the pharisees they thought that they were already perfect remember one pharisee thank god i'm not like that tax collector and then how does he say he's so perfect because i fast and i give tithes he did not even talk about anything of the ten commandments but was talking about the ceremonial laws which saves no one and because they thought they were already healthy and pure they had no need for a savior but jesus using medical terminology said those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick for i have come not to call people who think they are righteous but rather those who realize they are sinners see all the parts of the bible fit together the epistle reading is from romans 4 and the very first verse of the reading verse 13 really tells us about the distinction between law and gospel for the promise to abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith what does that mean if abraham was a sinner why did god consider him to be righteous in faith well we need to go on for if it is the adherence of the law in other words those who attempt to obey the law perfectly are to be the heirs well then faith is null and the promise is void you see these are the two ways that people consider salvation the one way is false and that's by obedience to the law because if obedience saves there's not a necessity for promises that you need to believe but obedience doesn't save so faith is not null the promise is not void what happens if you attempt to obey the law to get to heaven for the law verse 15 brings wrath now what does that mean because when we as fallen human beings attempt to obey the law we fail remember the bible says we fall short of the glory of god that's why verse 16 says that's 
is why it depends on faith. And what's faith? He continues, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, particularly those who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it was written, God says to Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. That is a promise. And that was done in the presence of God in whom Abraham believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Well, that's referring to Isaac, whose womb of Sarah was way too old to bear a child, but God called him into existence. And so Abraham, in hope, believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told so shall your offspring be. Now, Abraham could have looked at his own body. At the time, he was 75 years old. When he had Isaac, he was 100. But it says in verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. And then it says, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And then verse 21 is the essence of believing in God. It says, Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's what Abraham's faith was. He trusted that God would not go against his promise. And then the explanation comes in verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins? that he rose from the dead for your justification? Do you believe that in the waters of baptism, you also had been on that cross? You also were buried with him, and you also have been raised from the dead. That is why God regards you as justified. 
because there was no distrust in you, fully convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. But the words, it was counted to him, now that's referring to Abraham. These were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. That's what Christian faith is all about. Salvation occurs not by our works, because they always are short of the glory of God, but through the faith, and that is a gift given to us by the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit works in us, we hear the hundreds of promises of God. For instance, it says that you will never receive a temptation beyond what you're able to endure. But God will provide an escape. And even if you are tempted, you can turn to God and he will move you to indeed repent of your sin. So that sin will be forgiven. And it is that kind of faith in the promises of God that count you as righteous. Because you are believing in him, namely God the Father, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You see, that's referring to the cross. That's when he was delivered up. He was delivered up to Pontius Pilate and the soldiers in order to be crucified. And he was delivered up for your trespasses. I received a very interesting little note in a gift given to law and gospel. And it said, in Christianity, it is the only story where someone is willing to die for the enemy. Isn't that interesting? You, you have people in other stories that are willing to die for friends or because of a love for someone else. But who has died for his enemies? Jesus Christ did. And he was delivered up for their transgressions while they nailed him to the tree. He died for them. When he was buried, they were buried with him through baptism. And when he was raised up from the dead, every believer has also been raised from the dead 
And that occurred on Easter. It did not occur only when you die and go to heaven. Because when you die and go to heaven, you simply go into the other realm of heaven. And that is with Jesus, awaiting the day of the resurrection of the just, when your body will be restored to your spirit. And then you will live in a body in heaven, just as Jesus is in his body in heaven. And we will be giving rejoicing to God for all that he has done for us. And that's why it's important to read the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament one can consider to be a helpful understanding of what happened in the New Testament. It helps us to understand the purpose of Jesus' death so that God would lay on him our iniquity so that he would pay for the sins of our life so that we will never pay for our sins. Remember what forgiveness means. It means that God no longer holds you accountable for your sins. And so the readings for this Sunday, Hosea 5, Romans 4, and Matthew 9, not only say the same things, but they are an exquisite tapestry of God's word through which Jesus himself learned that he would be crucified, but he would rise in three days. That's Hosea 5. I'm sorry, Hosea 6, verse 2. I'm Tom Baker. My email address is tombaker at brick.net. You can email me at any time with a question. Be glad to get back to you. You can give me your phone number and I'll call you. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow, God bless Listen to you. Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.